was the 1980s the best decade for toys? We'll ask a toy collector. Idiots, roll out. Once again, it's time for the Idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. I almost forgot that part, which proves that I am one of the idiots, and my name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend, not necessarily a good friend, but a friend, and my co-host, Ray. How you doing, Will? I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing, doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. What are we going to be proving today? We are going to be proving, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the 80s toy collection, as per pop culture... Hmm. is the greatest toy collection ever assembled. I feel like there's a lot of prepositions, and I have to, like, parse out your... Here, here, so, here. I'll, I'll shorten it up yeah, for you. For, for the... You here, know, let me shorten it up for everybody out there. For the peanut there. gallery. Yeah, for the peanut gallery. 80s, pop culture, toys, <laughs> awesome. That, now I got you. I was confused, now I got it. All right, you. now you got it. Excellent. So we're going to be speaking with Chris Foreman in a little bit, who is a toy collector, who collects, of course, 80s toys, He's such a big fan of them. He has them preserved in plastic and behind glass. So you're saying he doesn't open them? Yes, I am saying that. How does someone have toys and not open them? I don't know. We're going to find out in a little bit. But before we get to that, let's catch up on some 80s news. Okay, so of course, as always, there's tons of 80s news that just helps prove our overall thesis that the 80s was the greatest decade for pop culture because there's always new news related to some old 1980s pop culture. This week, we learned that Bill and Ted 3, which is Bill and Ted Face the Music, began filming when Alex Winter, the uh, star of uh, Bill and Ted, do you remember if he plays Bill or Ted? He's uh, Ted? No, no, wait, no, 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 he's Bill. Yeah, he's 50, 50 chance. Yeah, he's Bill. He's he's Bill. Right. When Bill, actor Alex Winter, posted... From the Lost Boys. From Yeah, right. He's one of the guys that really screams when he gets a stake in the heart, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Kind of yes, he is. He's the star of that movie, by the way. I don't know how you figure, but yes. He plays uh, Bill S. Preston. Esquire. <laughs> yes, Esquire. Esquire, of course. In any case, he tweeted a picture of himself with a wild stallions uh, written on the back of his shirt. Also, we've, we've seen now some uh, images and uh, some footage, albeit from a, a video monitor, of some of the uh, scenes beginning to be shot. I'm very excited for this movie. How do you feel about Bill and Ted coming back after 30 years? I think this movie is going to be the best one in the series. I think the trilogy is complete. It's going to be awesome. And these guys are going to knock it out of the park. How did you feel about Bill and Ted 2? Do you remember that one? I liked it. It's not as good as the mm. first one. See, I, and I think this is the redemption. See, I really like Bill and Ted 2 a lot. And I rewatched it recently. I really like it. It's, I don't know. I find it quirky. It's definitely quirky. It's more stylized than the first movie. It's more philosophical even, too. It's talking about death and religion and in a, in a way and bigger picture things. I like my movie simple. Okay, very good. So there so you go. I think part three is going to knock this thing out of the park. We talked about Ghostbusters a couple of weeks ago about how Jason Reitman found or requested from, the, from Columbia the daily so he could have access to footage that was never seen or used before in the Ghostbusters. When I first found out about Bill and Ted coming out, I was really thinking or imagining or hoping that they would have something like that available so that they could easily travel back to those scenes. Of course, they can do it digitally, but it would be more, you know, charming and better if it was just done practically. In a sense, kind of like uh, Back to the Future 2 did, you know, where he revisits scenes Mm -hmm. and moments from the... I think that'd be pretty cool. 
any chance you think we see one of the time travel things they travel back to is their own time in the prior films? I'm going to go out on a limb and say 100% that they go back and meet their wow. younger selves, similar to how Tron did. You see the older and younger versions of right. Jeff Bridges. Bridges' character, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if we're entering June I'm, or July, I'm going to throw out there, happy birthday, Dan Aykroyd. I'm not I, waiting like I did for Richard Pryor. I'm throwing it out there now. I, that was awfully, it was crowbarred. I'm, I'm crowbarring that right in there because Dan Aykroyd's amazing and he deserves a happy birthday. I'm, I don't care if it's in Bill and Ted. I'm throwing I, it out there. I feel like maybe Dan Aykroyd paid you to do that or you lost a bet. I'm throwing it out there because I want or Dan you, Aykroyd to come on our show at some point and that's how you get there. Okay. What I didn't know about uh, Face the Music was that it's actually the original creators wrote the script for it. They co-wrote it along with the, the uh, gentleman who wrote uh, Galaxy Quest, if you remember that film with Oh, uh, that's a Tim great Miller. movie. Yeah, I love that movie too. Not an 80s film, but still a good movie. So it, there's a lot to be hopeful of, just like you're saying. I, um, of course, the gentlemen are older now. Keanu Reeves, of course, is still kicking butt, literally, well, in his other yeah. films. Keanu Reeves is amazing. He just kicks ass in everything he does. But I think Alex Winters is going to be the one that surprises everybody, because I've seen him in all the commercials, or not commercials, but his little snippets with him and Keanu yeah. talking. And he looks just like he did yeah. back in the day. So I think this is going to be awesome. Did you see that um, among the news that we got was, was that, that included the fact that the two actresses had been cast as their um, daughters? Um, because part of the story will uh, include the daughters of, of Bill and Ted. Bridget Lundy Payne and Samara Weaving have been cast as the daughters to the time-traveling protagonists. We, I, I don't know them from anything. So um, that's just maybe speaking to the fact that I'm an old, older person. Yeah. I'm going to say I don't know who they are, but if somebody else believes in them, I'm going to say, yeehaw, move forward, because they must be awesome. Well, the producer, the producer of the film said when he saw them acting together, it was like deja vu as far as the casting. You know, it made him recall when they found Keanu Reeves and Alex mm-hmm. Winter to be in the original. So, yeah. So that doesn't come out till next year. Something to look forward to. So uh, speaking about 80s from uh, movies from the 80s that are coming back in way one way or another, we've got a Dune remake coming out that you may be aware of. Yeah, that's the, the one that had Sting in it originally, right? That's right. Dune, the original movie, it's based on a book from 1965, I believe, but the film was in 1984. Sting was uh, in it, probably one of the few people that we could know by name, Kyle McLaughlin, McLaughlin, McLaughlin. Now you're getting into oh, my no. territory oh, with no. names. <laughs> McLaughlin. Her name is her last name is Bull. Uh, if his, only his last name were Bull, or his name was Kyle. Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin. Why does that sound so weird now? Anyway, um, he's the other uh, star in in the original 1984 film. That is the only other actor I can name. I'm sure there's others. There's other folks in there that I would recognize. But did you do you remember? Uh, you remember Dune from the 80s? I do remember it. I didn't like it, mm. but I'm super pumped because now uh, Batista's in this one. That's right, Dave Bautista of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right, and wrestling, and, and wrestling, and, yeah, and uh, he's good. So the, the part he's playing, my understanding is, it's a uh, in the book and in the '84 movie, it's a smaller role. But since they cast him, who's who's to say? I mean, he's really made something out of the roles he's been cast in so far. I would agree with that. There's some other big stars in this thing too, isn't Zendaya? Yes, right. Yes, fresh off of the Spider-Man: Homecoming. She's playing one of the parts. She's taking over, I think, for um, Sean Young, 
uh, Sean Young played. Oh, so there's another actress you can name. There you go. Sean Young, uh, of course, from uh, most memorable in Blade Runner to keep it to oh, 80s okay. film. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, she's going to be, she had a part in Dune and that's Zendaya is going to be playing that. I barely remember Dune. I, I have friends who love Dune, like a crazy for Dune the way I'm about Star Wars. Yeah. I don't really understand that. I remember it being about uh, spice Spices, trade. yes. I mean, yeah. when you say it, it sounds like an economics class. I think, uh, now, I could be wrong, but I think it's about giant worms and that, spices. That's all I remember. That's yes. all I remember from Dune. So, it's not Star Wars, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's 80s news. I don't, yes. I guess, sure. Okay, so today, as we, we, we mentioned... Um, we're going to be speaking in a little bit with our guest today, Chris Foreman, who is, among other things, uh, a toy collector extraordinaire. So today we are going to be talking about, before Chris joins us, let's talk about 80s toys ourselves. So I've been reading about the psychology of collecting because, you know, we're going to be speaking with Chris. We, we've got some other guests coming up that have different types of collections in a sense. So I wanted to get inside their heads. Um, yeah. You just made like it. A, is that like a serial killer thing? You're like, I'm going to get inside their heads. I was going to make, I was going to say you made it sound creepy, but. You you know, uh, you made oh, it I, sound creepy. <laughs> so one of the things I learned was that, uh, a couple of things. A lot of folks pointed out that it seems like more men than women uh, tend to collect things. I couldn't find that there was ever been like a formal study of that. And there's some theories as to why people collect that kind of maybe support that. One being that as primitive people, it might have been valuable for a man to be able to attract a mate by saying, look at all these things I have. Look how many saber-toothed teeth I've collected. A whole mouthful. I think that just comes back to we're just not as mature as women. Dumb. Yeah, Yeah, we're just more likely to collect things that make us happy. Whereas they're more like... uh, Practical. Well, they... They're more likely to do things for other people, whereas we're more likely to do things for ourselves. Oh, wow. That sounds like a whole episode where we have like a therapist in here. But once again, it's just my opinion. And it has no, no tie to the 80s, and it has no tie to reality. So and Another thing that I thought was interesting was um, that it said that most uh, people start their interest in collecting uh, at a young age, sort of what we would call now tweens. So around you know ten, 9 or 10 years old is when you first find an interest in collecting something. So when you were a young man, do you remember, or a boy, do you remember having an interest in collecting something? Did you collect something? Oh, hell yeah. It was Hot Wheels. Oh, I was all about the cars, man. So and beyond playing with them, you wanted to have oh, I wanted more as different... many as... Uh, and baseball cards. Oh, okay. I was a big baseball card guy um, when I was a kid, and the more I could get my hands on, the better. So yeah, it starts young for, for, for boys... Because I'm not a girl, so I don't know what the hell they collect. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, for me it was baseball cards and Hot Wheels cars. Couldn't get enough of them. Do you remember when you um, fell out of doing it? Was it when you would normally would a boy would normally grow out of an interest of playing with the cars? For example, when you no longer played with Hot Wheels, did you stop trying to collect them? I would say it's got to be about thirteen. It's got to be around thirteen years old is when you start to just go. There's more cool things to do now. Then collect baseball cards and Hot Wheels. Then you get records and bands. And- right. Then you go into music. But I still have my uh, my baseball card collection. Oh, wow. And I have the my favorite Hot Wheel. I still have my favorite Hot Wheel from growing up. Okay. What's your favorite Hot Wheel? It was a blue car with orange windows. Oh. Hmm. I don't even know if it's a real car, <laughs> but... 
It, it was the fastest car I owned. So oh. when you put it on the orange track, right. you know the one you whipped your friends with right. when you weren't playing? <laughs> um, it also served as a weapon. This was the fastest car I ever owned playing Hot Wheels. So I still have it to this day. It's actually sitting in my daughter's room on her bookcase. The, the classic, if I looked it up, I'd look up classic blue car with orange windows. And, then it, and you will see the picture, and I will confirm that that's the car. Did you ever check and see what any of the things you have now, your cards or your car, are, are worth today? I have not because they're just worth more to me than sure. they would be if I sold them. Right. Because I'm not a person, you know, if my kids sell them, if your kids sell them down the road, that's on them. Mm-hmm. But for me, I won't sell my things. Sure. I don't care what they're worth. They're worth more to me. So my Hot Wheel, my card collection is worth more than anything in the world to me because there are those days when you go down and just pick them up and you look at them. And you just go through them, and there's so many memories attached to the cards. Right. Like Dave Winfield, he started baseball the year I was born, and he played for like 24 years. So he was in the majors my entire life growing up. So his card means a lot to me because I saw it over and over and over again. So for me, I don't sell that stuff. Is, is there anything else from your childhood that you still have? I don't think so. I think the baseball cards and the car are the only things I've kept over the years. Yeah. When I was, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember how old I was. I guess I was probably around the same age. I, I took an interest in collecting stamps, which I think is called a philatelist or philatelist. A stampalologist? No. Well, yours sounds less creepy than mine. <laughs> I'm a philatelist. <laughs> there was an older gentleman who started a stamp club at our school, and I guess that's how I first got my interest in it. I don't remember our school having very many clubs, and so I wanted to join something, and that was what it was. And I still have my stamps from that period of time. I don't know that a single one's worth anything, but and I look at them every now and then when I come across the book. Um, but just like you're saying, there's something about having those. And uh, you know, as I read about the psychology of collecting, there's lots of theories that explain why someone may collect. Obviously, ultimately, it doesn't matter to the person why they do it or not. So speaking about toys, you remember any toys from the 80s that still stand out to you as uh, the one thing you wanted for your birthday or for Christmas that year? And The only thing I remember from the 80s wanting for Christmas was a black leather jacket right around, it had to be freshman year of high school. Oh, I was going to say, and you were six years old. No. And but you wanted to be a T-bird or... No, be- before, before that, it was the jean jacket. But I think around ninth grade was when I wanted the black leather jacket for Christmas. I see. So you don't remember any prior Christmases longing for a toy in particular? Not off the top of my head. No. Do you remember the uh, Sears Wish Book? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like, just just looking through the pages inspired you to, you know, imagine about all the different scenarios you can play out with these different toys you might be able to get. You know, you might be lucky to get one thing out of there that Christmas <laughs> yeah. or something, but there's so many to look at in the pictures. Yeah, my my kids have it much better than I did. They look through the, those catalogs and they actually pick out things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter, I do for every Christmas, it's give her the Target catalog and Toys R Us when it was still in business, and just start circling away, <laughs> expecting she'll just get eighty percent of them yeah. or something. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember when Star Wars came out, you know, the toys came out, seeing those in the Sears book, the Kenner toys. Wow, that was something so exciting seeing you know, these little physical representation of these characters that we loved. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to get some of those toys. And as you know, I still have many of them. I guess that's a sort of a collecting in a sense, too. I mean, um, 
obviously I didn't, I don't seek out any new Star Wars toys. I just held on to the ones from my youth. So maybe that was different. Well, when I go to Comic Cons, um, I try to buy one Star Wars action figure from the four dollars or less bins yeah. for my kids because obviously it's something that we share in common. You know, so I'm still looking for an R two D two. For under $4. I see. So you see them, they're just more than $4. Yeah, if they're more than $4, screw that vendor. So everybody out there at a, right. at a Comic-Con, you want to sell Star Wars crap, $4 or less, I'm all over it. You wouldn't consider yourself a collector, though, of Star Wars things, because you say it's just sort of a fun thing that you do. Yeah, for me, it's it's just a fun thing I do. I got the Darth Vader case, which I got actually from Steel, uh, Steel City oh, right. Comic-Con when right. I was with you, and I got a bunch of figures. So every time we go somewhere, I just buy another one and put another one in it. And then my kids leave them all over the house and I yell at them like, (laughs) why are these not in the case? You have a Darth Vader head for these, exactly for these. One of the things I read about the collecting was, you know, again, the psychology of it is part of it for folks is that hunt. You know, it's the chase. Yeah, I love the hunt for the R2-D2. And another one of the things is getting a bargain, you know, so... yes. And it's these different things that feed our pleasure centers that rewarding in such a way that we want to, you know, repeat this behavior, which is why we do anything in the world at all. It's why we do this podcast, I suppose. What? I, I thought we just hung out and talked to microphones. Did you not realize I was fun. recording this? <laughs> I'm going to have to send you a link. You're going to be astonished at what you're going to hear. You're going to hear yourself. Once back. again, record it to VHS. Yes. And then send me a copy. I'm looking for a movie I can record over. You could just do like your parents' wedding. Any of those, <laughs> I'll say any of those movies I have never haven't brought back to Blockbuster yet. <laughs> Which episode is this? Toys, toys um, about collecting. Oh, so yeah. So, so thinking about you know the hunt and getting a bargain and all these different things that feed our pleasure centers. It, it occurs to me that most people wouldn't consider themselves collectors, but the technology we have today. Almost everybody is a collector in a sense. If you think about how many photos someone amasses on their phone or how many songs they amass in their you know, iTunes and going out and getting these or taking these pictures. It seems like everyone is maybe even beyond collector in a sense, and more like hoarder. Because, for example, with the photos, oftentimes they take all these photographs and you never delete them. You probably don't you know, curate them. It, it might be that uh, idea that it's just the doing of it that rewards us this pleasure center so that has us continue to do it. Okay, now, now you're just going to keep letting me talk as you, as you stare at me with this <laughs> wide-eyed gaze that I think is suggesting I stop, but is only encouraging me to go further. And I'll make this one last point. Also, in connection with this technology, these games that, again, like uh, you know, Candy Crush and these types of games that, again, just feed into that quick sort of you know, fast reward that maybe is sort of unlike the 80s. Here we go. I'm trying to pull it together as we get close to bringing our guest in here. Unlike the 80s where we actually had to do things and we enjoyed doing things, we're now getting to a point where maybe we're having this technology fill in for actually, uh, you know, these opportunities to really, well, I'm going off, you got to save me at some point. The hunt is replaced by instant gratification. There you you. go. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yes. And, And maybe we don't realize that, I suppose. The hunt becomes, yeah, swiping on an app or pressing some buttons. Yes. We used to go out and hunt these things down. And the hunt was a part of fighting it, whereas now you just go and you swipe, 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 and you got it. It's on your doorstep the next day. Yeah. We had to go hunt. Yes. Much like our ancestors. Yes. The caveman. Right. You wanted the latest technology. You had to go out and find a dinosaur for it back in the day. 
Yeah. And then you had a amass enough of them to get a, a mate. Right. Look at all these dinosaur tails I have. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, with that, uh, we're going to speak to our next guest in a moment, Chris Foreman, who will, again, confirm for us that the 80s was the best decade for toys. What was it again? 80s, toys, awesome? Um, he's going to objectively confirm that 80s toys are the best toys. I don't know why we bothered having him come out here. I could have told you that, right? But that's fine. We'll have... Well, he's an expert. That's right. So. I forgot. I'm so a, that's the whole purpose. We I'm bring experts on to confirm what we already know. Very good. And so in a moment, we'll be right back with Chris Foreman. The 80s, more than meets the eye. The 80s, Our guest today has been collecting toys for more than two decades. You can see an image of his toy collection at the end of the Transformers episode of the Netflix documentary, The Toys That Made Us. In addition to grading portions of his childhood and sealing them away in acrylic cases, he is also the creative director and founder of a video production company named Action Figure, of course. Please welcome Chris Foreman. How you doing, Chris? Thank you. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So we've been talking about collecting generally, and I'm hoping you can help lend your expertise to all those various topics. If you don't know, the thesis of this show is that the 1980s were the best decade for everything. We'll fight your decade. Objectively. Objectively. So to prove that it's objectively, this is not a matter of opinion, <laughs> we have experts such as yourself in to, to make that case for us. Or you can refute us. We recently learned we could be wrong. We did not learn that, no. Okay. No, well, there's a first time for everything. True. I don't think that anyone from a decade after the 80s will prove us wrong um, to say that their decade were better, you know, so I don't know what the 2000s is about. Like, right. That's just like this amorphous blob to me of pop culture. Yeah. But so is that everyone knows, because I've already introduced you this way. <laughs> In particular, you are a collector of 1980s toys. That's correct. And late 70s, because, of course, Star Wars started releasing their toys in the late 70s. Uh, I collect Star Wars, Transformers, and G.I. Joe, uh, all from the 80s. I do not do the recent toy lines, although I have found some things that have been pretty impressive. But not only do I collect those uh, specific toy lines, I collect them still in the original package, meaning that if you were to get a G.I. Joe figure and you were to open up the blister on the front, that air that would be expelled from that package would be straight from 1986. (laughs) (laughs) I want to breathe breathe it in. Yes. (laughs) You know what? Now I want to collect these just so I could breathe that air, that mint air. (laughs) I wouldn't advise that because, of course, the value would just drop like a brick. Hold for that one second. Uh, That actually brings me to an interesting question that I actually had just for you. Sure. Now, notice the Ray qualifies it as interesting. It's his own question. Well, it is my own, but that's why it's interesting to me. Um, I've been looking at this uh, Indiana Jones tabletop RPG online. It's $300 original in the package from the 80s. I had that. I'm going to buy it, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to open it. And now it's worth $75 because I want to play it. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there, is there a toy you've purchased in the package that you could not stop yourself from opening? 
thought that would have to be maybe something you hunted down no. first, right? I mean, it would a have lot be... of the stuff I purchased, um, I need to go a little bit further, uh, has already been graded uh, mm. by Action Figure Authority, their AFA, and probably about 80% of what I've purchased over the past 20 years, because I started collecting in the mid-90s, uh, has been graded already. So I would have to break that acrylic case open. So it's physically possible, you're saying. It's possible. <laughs> it's definitely possible. But uh, no. And, and a lot of people <laughs> who see my collection, they, you know, they're astonished at first because they turn around and look at me and they're like, you mean to tell me that you received all these toys when you were a kid and never opened them? <laughs> quickly correct them. You know, because I'm like, no, 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 no. What an odd child you no, were. Yeah, yeah that's uh, – and that would have really robbed me of, of so many memories uh, when well, I was that, a child. And yeah. that's why I say I want to open things. Yeah, yeah. Do you buy uh, duplicates of things that you can open that are not graded necessarily? I do not. Um, and the main reason is because I still have – Probably 75% of the toys I played with when I was a kid. Um, that's like you, Will. Yeah. Um, so I do. I definitely do have uh, all my Transformers except for the Insecticons. I sold them off years ago. Uh, a lot of my Star Wars I still have. Uh, a lot of my G.I. Joes I still have um, with all the weapons. And that's the key is <laughs> you can go on eBay and, you know, anybody uh, looking for a part to any of these toy lines – uh, you can you can find it on eBay or or other websites, but uh, you know now it's like you're paying for one little missile, you know, hmm. the price that you would have paid back in the '80s that's, for an entire toy. That's the Boba Fett thing. Oh yeah. Well, the missiles for that guy. Yeah, they're hard to get. Well, he's yeah that uh, rocket firing Boba Fett. Uh, there's an entire story behind that, and that is one of the most sought-after action figures in the world. Um, and there's only a, a, a couple that exist, maybe two or three, I'd venture to say. Um, but they, I mean, I've seen the sale of one on eBay go for like $25,000. Wow. <laughs> and that's because it's certified and, yeah. and you, know, you know what you're getting. So, Like you, the, the only toy I really have from my child is my Star Wars figures and some of the play sets. But I do recall once I brought my figures as a, just as a young teen or you know tween as we'd call now, walking from my grandmother's house back home with my collection, you know this is back in the early eighties probably. And when I got home, I couldn't find the bag, the Ziploc bag or bag. I guess they were they probably didn't zip back then. The fold over sandwich bag that had all my guns in. Mm. I searched for days walking in that path, never found it. Yeah. So I wrote a letter letter to Kenner explaining what happened. They sent me a bag full of guns, wow. just a random assortment. Um, and now I can't find that. <laughs> but I may have my children now to blame because I let, you know, years ago I had to make the decision when I had kids, do mm. I want to let them play with these two or am I still trying to, why do I have these? You know, and I just yeah. let them play with it. Do you, do you find that you, I know you have. I have let my boys. two sons uh, play with some of my figures, but in my household, the sad Fact is that they do not want to play with action figures. <laughs> it's oh no, and it rips my heart out. And uh, you know they'd rather play Fortnite or watch <sighs> YouTube. And it makes me wonder about what's going on with these kids. Uh, gosh, that makes me sound like I'm 85. Um, I, I completely agree with you, you on know, that. Where where is our creative thought going to come from now? 
You know, I thought you were going to say it makes you wonder, what have I done as a father? I'm a failure. I've failed. <laughs> Are they interested in any of those properties in film or TV form, Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe? They just got into Indiana Jones, oh. which shows me that there is there is a light. You know, it, it can happen. But Star Wars, I bought them two of the recent figures and they looked at them for one day. They opened them up. It's almost like they were like some kind of like – ape-like creatures, like examining <laughs> these, like, you know. When they discovered fire. What yeah, do you do with this? And like, you know, just kind of batting it around. <laughs> and that was it. And then they wound up, like, you right know, back in on the corner <laughs> of the game room. And then I have no it's idea like, what happened to them. But, uh, you know, sadly, uh, uh, they have no interest in that stuff. Hmm. If there's not an app that goes with it. Yeah, right. it does seem like that generation. Yeah. I do have also my Indiana Jones playset and figures, too. I do have a sealed Indiana Jones figure, oh, wow. and he got graded a 90. <laughs> wow. And those, for I, I don't know the exact reason, right? Uh, I, I'm sure I could Google it, but uh, I know that the Indiana Jones figures were one of the hardest ones to find when they came out with the toy line. And those toys did not sell, of, of course, as good as the Star Wars sure. or the G.I. Joe or the Transformers for whatever reason. Um, and, and it's funny, I was at Target the other day. And I was looking at the Incredibles figures, and it's like they took, you know, those figures filled up half an aisle, and they must have taken that entire half aisle and moved it to the end cap and clearanced everything. It's like nobody bought a single one. It just makes me wonder, like, are kids even playing with, with toys anymore? And I think part of the problem mm-hmm. is there's so many distractions now and other options where the toys actually just play themselves. Like you push a button, it talks. You push right. another button, it walks. Toys talk to each other, and, yeah. and you just open them up and put them on the table and watch them do their thing. Well, I think that's a big difference between our generation was you talked for the toy. Yes. You acted out what you wanted the toys to do. And even when we didn't play with toys, we pretended we were Han Solo or Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a computer to just go, eh, I'll sit here and I'll just shoot things and run around. We actually used our imagination. Mm-hmm. A stick could be a, a lightsaber oh, yeah. or whatever. You yeah. know, that, that, that's, that's my big difference between us and kids now. They have computers that tell them what to do where we figured out what we wanted to do mm-hmm. with our imagination. Not too long ago, Ray and I, our kids play together because uh, we're neighbors. And I was having to explain, I told the kids, they were looking for something to do. I said, uh, make an obstacle course. You know, they, one of them had some sort of toy. What do you mean? Well, here's some things you could use. How are we going to do that? I literally had to, one at a time, well, if we put this here, this is, and I had that same thought. There's definitely a gap between some sort of skill, not allowing them to have some kind of, I failed as a father, Chris. <laughs> I blame myself, not like you guys, because you guys are awesome fathers. It's something else, not us. Why did you find yourself. So Ray, Ray and I, on the first episode, we were talking about how around, we learned that around 20 years after your teenage years is when you get nostalgic. So it seems mm-hmm. like in the 90s that you're still, you know, a young man. Um, what brought you to collecting in the 90s in the first place? I'm glad you asked that uh, because uh, I started my first job at a sports station in Buffalo, New York. And right around that time, I started having a series of dreams where I would be walking uh, through 
a store that no longer exists, Gold Circle. Oh, I love Gold Circle. Oh, oh yes. Twin Fair. Yeah. Uh, that was in my neck of the woods. Um, oh, we West had them here, too. Okay, yeah, yeah, we didn't York. have that in New Jersey. Um, but but I, I started having a series of dreams where I was walking through the store, and I walked to the toy section, and I just saw all the Star Wars toys, you know, freshly put out, and I'm, you know... I was like seven, eight, nine years old again, and I'm looking through, and I'm like, wow. And I wake up, and there would almost be tears in my eyes because mm. I was like, what a beautiful feeling that was. you know. And, of course, you're a kid. You have no concept of mortgage or marriage <laughs> or any responsibility. <laughs> yeah. You just exist solely to absorb fun. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's what those toys, you know, brought me, Transformers, uh, G.I. Joe, Star Wars. And uh, so I'm like, hmm. Can I experience that again? And I started looking online, and I went to eBay, of course, where you can find just about everything. And lo and behold, there was something in my uh, price bracket, a (laughs) sealed uh, Transformers Decepticon kickback, one of the Insecticons. And I'm like, I can get this guy. And he looks looks like the box is in great shape. So I bid, and I won. And from there on, it was just boom, boom, boom. And I just kept going. Now I've I've slowed down picking up pieces uh, because the prices have just skyrocketed. You know, there's a few Transformers. I mean, Megatron's the easy one. He's, you know, the gun, uh, Decepticon leader. The only form I have him in is in an open box. But I, I totally accepted it because if you want to get a Megatron these days, it's like 20 grand at least. Uh, wow. if, if that sale is actually did actually go through on eBay, I mean, I kind of look at stuff now and again. But the way I got him was somebody on Craigslist said, hey, I have this Transformer. And obviously they didn't know a lot about it. Sure. It's, 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 like, like, a, it's like the the internet version of a flea market. Yes. Yeah. Where you go to the flea market and you're buying stuff for a quarter that's worth a lot of money. Well, this guy had a grasp of of the worth. I think he did a little research, so yeah. he only wanted 90 bucks for it. But all the pieces were there. The original box was there, all the original instructions. And I'm like – and I never had Megatron as a kid. I only had Optimus Prime, and I had a lot of Autobots and a lot of Decepticons, but I never had Megatron. So I'm like, I'm going to get him. So I go to Burger King in Steelyard to meet this guy, and this guy <laughs> brings in a brown bag. This is, this is a drug deal. It's like a drug deal. This is, this is a here. drug deal with a gun. And so he pulls out Megatron, and... Oh no! It's 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 in the gun form. Megatron is in gun form, form, and he's in the box, <laughs> and we're just you know talking in very low <laughs> tones. And I give him the ninety dollars. I slide it across the table, <laughs> and I take the package and I put it back in the brown bag <laughs> and exit Burger King. So that's how I got Megatron, um, and then I sent him in to get graded because uh, they do AFA does grade. On uh, open boxes and toys, uh, they give it a, I think it's called a qualifying grade. So he got like a 70, and I was perfectly fine with that. That's (laughs) awesome. Do you have one toy in your collection that you would never sell? Yeah. Probably multiple, I would think. I could give you a few. Um, I have a uh, graded Soundwave. He is the Decepticon Boombox. That, oh, yeah. that, that was Decept- my. That, that was actually player? my next. That was actually my the next Decept question. Player? Yes. Oh, that's the only boombox. one I wanted. Yes, that was my next question. Actually, was do you have boombox? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Soundwave. Sound he wave. comes with the cassette, and I actually have one of the blister packs 
that are two of the cassettes uh, that you could buy because, you know, you could buy a bunch of different cassettes, cassettes for them. Uh, Soundwave, probably, uh, probably Blue Streak, uh, the Autobot car. Optimus Prime, of course. I have a sealed Grimlock. Uh, he is the Tyrannosaurus Rex Dinobot, and he right. is very sought after. And uh, I paid a lot for him a few years ago, uh, but, I mean, his value is just, you know, through the roof. As far as Star Wars, uh, I have a 12-back Luke. Uh, um, I have a 12-back Obi-Wan Kenobi. 12-back means that these were one of the first uh, figures that were released with only, so looking- featuring only 12 characters on the back of the card. Oh, okay. Very good. Right. So, um, so those are the ones who really like the, the Han Solo, who <laughs> really didn't look like Han Solo. Are you talking about that collection? There's, there's two. Of the, there's the big head Han Solo and then like yeah. regular strength head Han Solo. <laughs> So there's a little bit of variance there. Like with the uh, what is it? The Jawas. The original ones were big. Uh, well, they you, did. Yeah, they did it? come out with uh, dolls. I might not get the story exactly right. We but. don't care about accuracy. Okay, great. Well, then they wanted to come out with all these twelve-inch <laughs> dolls, and they did. Uh, but then they they decided that the three and three-quarter inch size was much more profitable and cost less to produce. Um, so they started spinning those out. They actually did start coming out with uh, dolls for uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And they have a few of them, uh, prototypes, I believe, are floating around. I've seen pictures of them. Um, and I'm sure those those are uh, uh, in private collections right now. But they are cool to see. Um, I did, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I had friends who, you know, boys who had the dolls. And it was interesting because... G.I. Joe's, when they first came out, the guy who designed them made a, uh, a military army soldier doll. And he didn't want to call it a doll because he said, boys do not play with dolls. Right. And that's where the term action figure came from. He said, well, this is an action of figure. Of course. Boys play with action <laughs> figures. <laughs> Darn it. So, and then, uh, so that's where that came from. But um, when you were uh, a kid, because I know you like Transformers, did you have? Um, were you able to actually transform them with ease? I always, my, I didn't have any Transformers when I was a kid, but my friends did, and I could never get them to become one thing or the other. I just, you know, it was either in the robot state or the gun state, for example, or in between. But yeah. someone would have to help me. I was actually pretty good. Um, I was gifted. Uh, to, <laughs> you know. I actually, <laughs> I actually didn't have any Transformers because I grew up poor, so I had GoBots. I was going to say you had the knockoff GoBots. Go I had the GoBots. They came out before the Transformers. Did they really? Uh, just a hair before them. Uh, but uh, Transformers, oh gosh, they were just so incredible. It's like you know when you were a kid, you know you had like a little race car or something that you loved, you know, but it was just a race car, and then you also may have had like an, a robot you know, that you loved, but Transformers were those two combined and plus they just looked cool and they were your friend. Like Autobots were generally pretty nice, you know, and Decepticons (laughs) were just, you know, wanted to kill all the humans and, but well, not really, you know, I, I, I didn't have a lot of difficulty transforming. Uh, There were a few where, you know, the twist or the turn was a little tough. Um, and, uh, but I don't think I ever broke one. I, I was very gentle with them for some reason, and that's why all my originals are still in like top condition um, in my basement in a tote somewhere in the crawl space. But yeah, to answer your question, 
uh, I was pretty good. On the Netflix special, The Toys That Made Us, the one about there's one about Transformers that is uh, tells the story that Chris is referring to, and you can see a glimpse of my collection at the end of the show. And Chris's collection is a photo there of yes. his collection, yeah. so you can see what we're talking about there and learn the story of the Transformers. Mm-hmm. Do you find that today, when you're looking for something, that you're competing against people that are younger? So you're you're collecting because. It seems because of the nostalgia of the, the, you know recapturing something from your youth. Sure. Do you find yourself competing against people that weren't even alive during the 1980s that still want to have a Megatron, for example? That's a great question. Um, you know, I had a long discussion with my friend uh, Tom, my longtime friend, and uh, it was years ago, and, and I was just talking to him about how much money I spent on this stuff. And this was when I was I reached like the zenith of my collecting. I was like really humming, just wheeling and dealing and just like stuff coming in and out of the collection. And and he's like, wow. And he goes, well, he's like, you should just sell those things. And, you know, it's like I cracked in half. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, and I'm like, well what, well, what are you talking about? You know, and he said, um, well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Do you go out and collect the Lone Ranger memorabilia? And I said, no. And he's like, well, why not? And I said, well, it's, it's not part of my not part of my being and you know right. i'm not really into the lone ranger and uh i just think that toy line or that it's just people aren't into it anymore you know it's a lone ranger they just came out with a movie gosh was it eight years ago or yeah. johnny depp. recently with johnny depp where he wore that burn on his head <laughs> yeah. i was like what and pigeon and, landed on his head and stayed yeah. yep and um, terrible movie but yeah i heard and i'm like that may be the nail in the coffin for like the lone ranger like can you see like Five years from now, trying to revive the Lone Ranger. I mean, it's no, no Western, and it's like kids are just – nobody's going to go see it. So I feel like you're saying two different things. One being that your interest was – because it's not part of you. Part of Again, it's not part of your nostalgia. But the other one, the sort of consumer aspect of it that maybe there won't be a market for it in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, and he brought up a very good point, and he's like, their worth is probably – at its height, right? Like, oh, they're probably never going to be worth more than this. And, you know, to answer your question, um, I don't know of any younger kids who are collecting Transformers. And it made me really think about the worth of my collection. And I'm like, well, gosh, what happens if I hold on to it for too long? And he's mm-hmm. right. So, and then I thought, I think it will keep its value if the toy line perpetuates, if it keeps going. And it has been. Star Wars has kept going. Transformers have kept going. G.I. Joe has kind of had its ups and downs. I recently heard that they're they're doing something. I, I think they're they're coming out with a new batch of movies and stuff. But so I think the younger kids who would be into collecting Transformers would probably want to collect from the Transformers line lines past Generation One. Generation one was like in the eighties and like early nineties and then it ended and then they came out with Generation Two and Beast Wars and, and all these other spin offs. Thank you, permutation. <laughs> so but it keeps going and I've seen some very impressive Transformers out there where they've went back and redone like Generation One toys and they gave them a lot more detail and you know, and they go for like hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands. But, you know, the younger generation, I personally have not seen anybody younger than me get into Transformers specifically. Now, Star Wars, all the movies have made $7 billion. The toys have made double that. So that is a line that perpetuates. It's still going. So, And I've seen, you know, kids, not my kids, but (laughs) (laughs) other children play with the toys 
you know, go out and buy I them. I wish that was my kid. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I do go, you know, I'll walk down the, the aisle in Target and I'll just look and I'll see, you know, some of the pegs are bare. And I'm like, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. You know, they're buying them. I don't know if they're playing them. A lot of, you know, guys my age are collecting them. You know, they're taking them. They're not opening them. But there are just so many Star Wars Star Wars toys. I just stick to the original trilogy stuff. That's that's where my passion I is. I bought when the when the prequels were announced, I thought, okay, I'm going to become a collector now. Mm-hmm. So before the movie came out, I just did a little research and I saw, okay, Darth Maul is going to be the new Darth Vader. I'm going to buy many Darth Maul like novelty type things as I can find. That'll be more rare, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had, you know, I don't know, those, you know, storage containers full until very recently of this stuff. And it occurred to me, I'm not a collector. I did some searching on eBay. They're not worth anything as you, I'm sure you would know. So I opened up to my children. I said, hey, anything you want to play with, open, you know? So they, they wanted maybe one or two things that um, still haven't been played with. You might have been premature on that because I believe he's going to no, be in no. the, uh, the wow. next couple movies as like a prequel type yeah, of I think thing. that got canned. That was going to be the Han Solo second and third movie, which I think are done. Never say never. Yeah. yeah. Well, with Star Wars, you can never say never. But it sounds like, Chris, if you own your things for the feeling it gives you for recapturing that nostalgia, you know, mm-hmm. that capturing your, the answer is you'll never, right? You never sell anything, I would think. I mean, to your think so. To your friend's question about... yeah. Yeah, I I think I'll have these forever, uh, and I will pass them along to my sons. And hopefully, you know, the toy line will keep going. And my sons, you know, if they decide to to sell them, that there's nothing I could do. <laughs> you know. So, um, and that's fine. You know, that's fine. Is there something out there that's your great white whale that you're still hunting for? You know, there is. I have almost all the components to Computron, who is a Transformer. He came out when, I think it was like the three three years after, must have been 87 okay. or 88. There is a figure called Strafe, who I want sealed and graded, because he is like the leg that forms Computron, <laughs> combiner, robot. Because I have the main guy, Scattershot. I have Afterburner, Lightspeed, and Nose Cone. But I am missing strafe. And I heard he's hard to get. Um, so I've looked for him off and on. And people want, I mean, for him graded, he goes for probably like 700, 800. So I, uh, I, I keep waiting for him, you know, and if the timing is right, you know, I might jump. But that is one. That is one guy that I really want. You know, I've really got a, a very, a very good collection. I'm very happy with it. Um, but there are a few things that I would want. I would like a 12-back Han Solo. I do not have him. I have a 12-back Luke, 12-back Obi-Wan, 12-back Death Star Commander, and 12-back C-3PO. And then I have a lot of figures from Empire, which was, you know, really one of my favorite movies. It's a lot of people's anything. favorite movie. Love Ghostbusters, too. Yep. I just heard Paul Rudd signed on for yeah. Ghostbusters. Yes. So that's, oh, yeah. you know. I really like Paul Rudd. I think he'd be a great ad. I don't know what role he's going to have. Uh, yeah, we only know rumors about the story that it, yeah. it may be a family I'm a big, that's... I'm a big Paul Rudd fan, so I'm that, super pumped for him yeah. to be on the movie. That made me think, though, it, that is a, that's a franchise that they cannot let, no pun intended, die. <laughs> because I, I was exercising in my basement, and I was thinking... Show off. <laughs> and I was thinking, uh, you know, how many... How many bad guys are out there that people can fight? Like, Indiana Jones always fought the Nazis. 
you know, Transformers pretty much fought each other. You know, Ghostbusters fought Ghost. And I'm like, you know, yeah, people fighting vampires and, and all that. And it's like, they're really f- running out of things for humans to fight. <laughs> so I'm like, they got to keep Ghostbusters going because, you know, Ghost, you know, people don't like them. I mean, in Ghostbusters, there were a few friendly ghosts. But I go, that that's the way that franchise can can live on is, is just off of that. It's like nobody likes pes- pesky ghosts. I was going to say, yeah, and there's no more Nazis around to fight, but right. then I stopped myself. Nazi that's not ghost. true. Well, Nazi ghost. There you go. Ghostbusters can do that. See, yeah. Ray rescued the show from being political. Thank you. That's yes. what you did. That's what I did. You saw where I was going with that. I, I know what you're up to over there, yep. and I got to shut that down. They're doing an, another indie. Yes, they are. And but what's he? What's he going to? What's fight? he going to fight? Yeah. The he's, only thing I can think, I'm speculating that there's going to be like a dark Indiana Jones. He's going to have to fight himself. <laughs> I'm thinking. I think they <laughs> push this one. They're pushing this one into the '60s. Oh no. Yeah, I bet they are, because you know, the last one was the 50s. I, I've been saying, I, because we have the technology now de-aging people, and pretty well, oh, yeah. um, pretty convincing. let's get Harrison Ford to you know do the voice, and we'll have some other younger actor nah, step in. come and, on now. Or he, well, he can do the motion capture. Harrison Ford is the greatest actor ever, because he played Indiana Jones and Han Solo, and when you see the two of them, you don't say that's the same character. Right. That's impossible to do with two characters like that. And the President of the United States. That's right. And Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But um, now I think they go into the 60s and he fights Russians. That's my call for the next one. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you didn't say hippies. Or hippies. I'd be cool with That's that. That's political. Uh, You're getting political now. Hippies aren't political. They, <laughs> there's nothing political about hippies. I Come think, on. I think as we completely go off the rails, we should wrap up with Chris. Well, actually, and, I got one oh, more okay. question. No, okay. I ra- we wrapped. I got, no, I got one more question. Because I got to prove something on this episode. Oh, I thought it's, I thought it's already been proven, but okay. You, I, I got. I want the Ray absolute, has a knack for. We have an expert here on now, toys. Don't lie, Chris. You got to be honest you because be honest. we might be wrong, and that's okay. Okay. Are the toys from the eighties the greatest collection of toys Ob- in the history of toys? Objectively, we don't want your opinion. We want the facts. This is fact. I'm asking, fact wise, is it because you have? Transformers, you have He-Man, so, you have the better Star Wars stuff, mm-hmm. um, Care Bear, Sh- Strawberry Shortcake, you have thousands My of toys from the pony. 80s. My Little Pony. Cabbage Patch. Is the 80s, Rubik's Cube. pop, cultural-wise, the best toys ever? Yeah. That's yes. it. Boom. Don't drop the... I told you not dropping you the will, mic. You, you go, that's it, an uh, expensive microphone. You put it on these stands so I can't you drop know, them. <laughs> and I, I think... Something that we learned that we didn't intend to learn, but that Chris pointed out is for the 80s and certainly our generation growing up, it was better for to be a kid in the sense that we were able to hone skills that it seems like our gen- our children's generation and on or maybe missing from, you know, plugging into electronics. Yep. Going on the internet and looking at toys is nothing compared to walking through Toys R Us and yep. just scanning the shelves and going... Holy moly, look at all this awesome stuff. And being inspired as to what you can do with it once you get home. Yep. yep. Chris, we appreciate your time and your knowledge, and I'm now going to show you my Star Wars toys, and if I have anything worth it, you can tell me, and I'll try to sell it to Ray for double. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, thanks, Chris. Thank I, you. I'm just going to borrow the money from you. So, what have we learned today? We have learned beyond a shadow of a doubt that the 80s toys are better than any other decade's toys. As if there were a question. Never was. No. Now you make me want to go out and just get those toys out and start playing. I'm going to go over to Chris's house and open up all those packages. (laughs) I just heard what you said. (laughs) And then we'll talk to you again next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.